0: From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. This year, December 25th, is not only Christmas, but a date marking a special place in the Atlanta arts and culture scene. The famed Fox Theater in Atlanta celebrates its 90th birthday. The fabulous Fox, as it's known, has fought its way back from near extinction a handful of times and recently earned recognition as the highest grossing venue of its size for the decade Worldwide, cementing its place as a cultural center for the state of Georgia and the entire Southeast. To share some of the dramatic history of this iconic building, we're sitting down with Alan Vella. He's CEO and President of the Fox Theater. Alan, welcome. Oh, well, thank you. And congratulations.
1: Oh, we we are very proud of that honor.
0: You don't look ninety. Let
1: me say, <laughs> I've had a lot of work done. <laughs>
0: The Fox first opened on December twenty fifth, nineteen twenty nine. Who who funded the building? Uh,
1: the building was funded originally by the Shriners. Uh, the Shriners intended in building uh, this grand facility, um, and frankly, during the uh, the construction process, they started running over budget, and they appealed to William Fox. Of Fox Films, who was building other grand uh, theaters throughout the country to be uh, the primary tenant. So he infused some money so they can finish the project.
0: Uh-huh. And there is that beautiful, like, I don't know, Islamic architecture, the domes and the minarets and that kind of thing, uh, that exotica that was common in movie palaces. It, at the it time. was.
1: And, and, you know, in the 20s, uh, America was all the rage over the discovery of King Tut. Um, so I think that influenced a lot of the design of the theater.
0: So December 1929, that's a tough time for a movie theater
1: to open. I think people forget, uh, you know, so in October of uh, 1929, we had the stock market crash, Black Friday, etc. So the Fox fell immediately on hard times. Uh, William Fox lost much of his net worth. Uh, Many of the Shriners did as well. Um, and shortly after opening, just several months, the theater closed. Uh, it could not pay its taxes and uh, was auctioned off on the courthouse steps for $75,000. Oh,
0: my goodness. Who bought it?
1: Uh, it was bought by several Shriners that created a company called Moss Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could save the theater.
0: So then closed, then reopened, and had kind of let 's say a heyday in the 1940s as did the right? um,
1: you know it, it, it looked not only to movies but also some live entertainment. you know We hosted Bob Hope and Elvis Presley and many others, um, and the city was thriving uh, more or less after it survived the great Depression, and most people lived in the uh, the core of the community, but then uh, when the '50s came along. People started moving out in the suburbs. So mm-hmm. 50s, 60s and 70s, people were migrating to the suburbs. Uh, midtown Atlanta, where the Fox is uh, uh, hosted, uh, started struggling and, and the theater struggled as well.
0: In 1974, it was ready to close its doors, and in came a Save the Fox campaign. How did this campaign get started?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, there was some volunteers that were, uh, you know, affiliated with the theater, um, and folks at Georgia Tech and elsewhere that were preservationists. Um, they had gotten word from the city building department that a demolition permit was issued mm-hmm. for the Fox. Um, So they got together, a group of preservationists, um, uh, Betty Jo Cook and uh, Joe Patton and uh, uh, Pat Harnell and many others, and they created Atlanta Landmarks and they started the Save the Fox campaign.
0: So an important player in Saving the Fox at that time was then Atlanta Mayor Maynard Jackson. Let's hear a clip of him from 2003 reflecting on that decision to stall the demolition. I was absolutely horrified. I uh, it, was, it was incredible, unbelievable that anybody would even consider
1: doing that. It was also um, uh, sheer folly to think that we would ever issue the demolition permit. Until May 1, 1975, anyone who wishes to come forward to purchase the interest of Southern Bell in the Fox Theater may do so.
0: So the difference in audio there is the 2003, but the earlier one is from 1974. That's correct. So Maynard Jackson the, from GBB's documentary, The Legend Lives On, Atlantis Fox Theater, by the way. But why do you think citizens were rallying to save it? I mean, that's not very common in a city bent on modernizing, often tearing down landmark buildings. No,
1: I, I think that the city and the citizens realized that so many great historic properties have been torn down, especially theaters like the Lowe's. Uh, the Rialto, um, uh, the Grand, and many others. And I think they finally put a stake in the ground and said, stop, we need to, we need to preserve some of these facilities and um, save this venue and save it for future generations.
0: So saving it was one thing. Then they had to restore it. What kind of work goes into such a huge undertaking?
1: Well, quite a bit. Um, you know, they, they saved the Fox in 1974 through a Save the Fox campaign um, that was predominantly funded through nickels and dimes, as I say, of everything from bake sales to children collecting pennies. Um, there was only one large check of about $400,000. Uh, ben Missell um, made that donation to Atlanta Landmarks, thanks to Beecham Carr, who did most of the fundraising. Then they had a fix the Fox campaign uh, just to get it up and running. They were, they were convinced by a study that was commissioned by the state that um, the Fox could operate and survive, providing they can retire the debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the big challenge. So a fix the Fox campaign and a campaign to help retire some of that debt took place uh, early on in the 70s, just to make sure it was safe and viable.
0: How much money did they raise?
1: Several million dollars. Wow.
0: So nowadays, there are clearly new digital technologies in use at the Fox. Is there anything remaining from those past 90 years? Oh,
1: sure. Uh, You know, we we try to keep as much of the old uh, uh, equipment and uh, operating as as humanly possible. Actually, we have uh, a series of clouds that uh, go across the sky, the Arabian sky, and and that is all circa 1929 technology. No kidding. Yes.
0: That's interesting. Another artifact from the past, the hospital room. What is that exactly? Well,
1: that's where we do the bloodletting. Uh, no, that is uh, where we would take pe- patrons that were feeling ill and they would be treated by a doctor or a nurse. Uh, we've kind of kept everything and preserved it in place. Uh, we don't use it any longer and uh, we don't do any more bloodletting and we got rid of the leeches and those kinds of things. So.
0: so, but for a theater to operate now, they're big equipment, big technology. Uh, how does that work inside of an old theater infrastructure? It's a little
1: challenging. Um, I think our biggest challenge is the depth of our stage. Um it's it's only about 32 feet deep. Uh, modern theaters, the minimum depth is about 45 feet. Mm. So we've adapted. So we've adapted everything from you know LED lighting to uh, you know high speed internet to um, uh, electrical lighting, sound. Uh, our sound system is state of the art. Our lights are state of the art. Um, and we try to make ourselves kind of a a viable vessel, if you will. So as that technology changes. Uh, because uh, we can adapt to it. And frankly, we're a roadhouse. So, uh, you know, equipment comes and goes every day. Um, and uh, we're we're pretty adaptable and we're pretty relevant as it relates to that.
0: Alan Vela is my guest. He's CEO and president of the Fox Theater in Atlanta, which turns 90 on December 25th, opened back in 1929. Now it is on the National Registry of Historic Places. Well, in the heart of the theater is Mighty Mo. This is the theater organ. Let's hear some of this massive organ from a recording of organ. Organist Hector Oliveira playing Old Man River, and the Mighty Moe at the Fox. Sounds like a cathedral organ. Huge sound. How common is it to have one of those, and it's such a large one? Not that common.
1: Uh, the, the Mighty Mo is probably one of the largest molar organs. Uh, it was custom-made for the theater. It's also a theatrical organ, so it's not quite like the organ that you'd have at your local church or cathedral. Uh, you know, we have um, uh, all kinds of sound effects instruments from uh, marimbas to snare drums uh, to a... Uh, 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 oh, a train whistle. um, And we have uh, sheets of uh, steel that would resemble thunder and lightning. So um, it's got all kinds of great little pieces to it. And it's very intricate.
0: So it would be used for sound effects as well.
1: Exactly. So really, the talkies were kind of just, uh, you know, coming out about the time that we opened the theater in 1929. So that organ was really intended to play along with movies without a soundtrack.
0: Well, each theater comes with a couple of ghost stories. The Fox actually had a phantom. Joe Patton was dubbed the Phantom of the Fox Theater. You mentioned his name earlier. Tell us a little bit about Joe and his relationship to the yeah, theater.
1: Yeah, well, Joe um, got involved really early uh, with Inc. Um, he loved the Mighty Mo, and uh, he offered to restore the organ if the theater owners would provide all the parts and the equipment, and he would provide all the labor and and know how. And so he and some other volunteers worked on that. Joe is one of the first individuals. individuals had also heard about the rumor of tearing the theater down, and he was one of the founding members of Atlanta Landmarks. Um, Joe later uh, became the treasurer of Atlanta Landmarks. He served on our board for many, many years. And in the 70s, you know, we were concerned once we saved the Fox, and we had really no budget, um, that the theater would be stripped. People were stealing things. They were stealing bronze Mm doorknobs, and they were um, stealing lighting instruments and that sort of thing. So um, Joe and his German Shepherd acted as our security guard. He lived there. He lived there. And the board agreed to allow him to convert some of the old mosque office space into an apartment, and Joe lived there for almost 30 years. Lease-free, I understand. That is correct. <laughs>
0: wow. The Fox Theater is a nonprofit offering arts education programs, but there's also the Fox Theater Institute. Now, this is to assist Small theaters across the state. What, what are you doing to help these little small town theaters?
1: Well, yeah, that's a project that we're really, really proud of. Um, a couple of our board members, uh, Clara Axum and Walt Huntley, uh, were really urging um, management to come up with a new way that was more Fox-centric. Um, to help other theaters and help other small downtowns um around rural Georgia, so what we did was we formalized something that we 'd been doing informally for years we we would off, often get called by other uh, interested community members that may have a small theater in their community and want to know how to operate it, mm-hmm. how to program it, how to restore it and preserve it. And we would give them advice and sometimes we'd assist them. So what we decided to do was formalize that. We uh, began Georgia Presenters, uh, which is a, a group that we help bring entertainment to these small theaters that's unlike the entertainment that we have at the Fox. um, And we also sponsor many of those shows and underwrite them. We also provide uh, grants for theaters. Some of them are emergency grants, so it might be a grant to keep a theater from, uh, you know, repair a hole in the roof, um, or it might be a matching grant to uh, renew their facade.
0: Well, what what is the what is the motivation of working with small theaters? You know, what does this do to the whole, I guess, constellation of theaters in the state?
1: Our board felt that it, it's our turn. Um, you know, Atlanta and the state of Georgia has been very, very good to us, um, and we saw what how the Fox Theater transformed uh, a section of Midtown, some of the most uh, you know difficult area to develop uh, in Midtown in the '70s that was full of crime and problems. Transformed, thanks to the Fox and all of its many, many patrons. And we felt that we could help other communities uh, by focusing on their theaters and transforming them.
0: Alan, I know you've been there for 13 years. Is there a moment for you that just something you were seeing, something you were doing just captured the magic of the Fox for
1: you? Oh, boy. Um, You know, I think it repeats itself. Um, Sometimes, you know, we in the business get a little jaded, you know, because we're working retail hours and we're working office hours and you're there seven days a week sometimes. And um, it... I think I see it in the children's eyes, you know, when they come in and they stop cold when they come through the lobby and they can't believe their eyes and what they see and they've never been in a place like this. And then they come into the theater and they look up at the stars in the sky. Um, and then they are they may be transfixed on the movie screen and they're watching Frozen uh, or it might be Peppa Pig or Paw Patrol. And, and I know that those children will always have a wonderful memory of the Fox, and they'll be the ones that will protect us and save us in the future. And we hope that they bring their children to our theater.
0: Alan Vela, thank you so much, and congratulations again. Thank you. Alan Vela is CEO and president of the Fox Theater, celebrating its 90th birthday this Wednesday, otherwise known as Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to head into the break with more of Hector Oliveira on the mighty Mo organ playing Old Man River. Coming up, some tips for the perfect holiday playlist. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for more of On Second Thought.